And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the online Brave Maker experience as well as the Brave Maker podcast. So whether you're watching us live or on the replay or listening to us on your walk or hike or drive, I'm glad you're here. My name is Tony Gapastone, and I am the executive director of Brave Maker. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we exist to elevate brave voices for justice, diversity, and inclusion. And we like to have a little fun along the way. My co-host, Christina Jackson, has the day off. But I am bringing my friend. Uh, I joked with my friend Irving that I had to schedule a public conversation in order to see him today because, you know, life, pandemic, <laughs> uh, sheltering in place, you know, just life. We're busy. So welcome to the show, Irving Ron. Hey, Tony. Good to be here. How's it going, Irving. man? Irving and I have been connected, I think, for maybe three years now. It's been, I know it's over, it's around three years because I met you when I was with my other job and I've been in this new adventure for like two and a half. So somewhere in the past three years, right? Yeah, something like that. And I feel like with the last five months, that would add up to 10 years. So. <laughs> We've been friends for a decade now. People. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and Irving, we, uh, Brave Maker, we are headquartered in Redwood City, California. Irving uh, was at the time, he still works for Box, which is headquartered in Redwood City, California. But we would meet for coffee and chat. And uh, then Irving was on the Brave Maker podcast. And then Irving became a correspondent for the Brave Maker podcast. So you've heard Irving on multiple podcasts interviewing his creative friends in his writing world. So today I said, hey, let's just chat. We need to go live and uh, keep ourselves accountable to having a friendship and talking about the creative life by just kind of bantering together. So uh, we talked a little bit off off the, the air, but let's just bring people up to speed on what is going on in your life, in your creative world right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for myself, uh, not much is happening, uh, to say the very <laughs> least. Um, I think like many people definitely, you know, just been struggling in, in my own ways right now. Um, I think I've been having a difficult time trying to be creative. Um, I think a lot of artists can probably relate with this, but I think so much of the creation of art is informed by living life. And I think largely right now, our ability to live through life in a way that we've previously known, you know, it's, it's not really possible. So um, it's, it's definitely, definitely been hard to feel creative. Um, but, you know, I think every now and then I try to write some things, whether it's like a short story or a humor piece or, you know, trying to polish up some TV pilots, um, just trying to fit something in maybe once a week. You know, I feel like it's it's enough for me right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been difficult. Um, definitely been trying to watch a lot of TV. I think that's been helping. So it's kind of it for me. What about you, Tony? 
There is nothing wrong with watching TV where we are surviving by like the skin of our teeth. I feel like my wife and I sometimes we're like the we're like the the the, the typical couple who is in bed and we both have a laptop and the glowing blue light. Like we look at each other and go like, Hey babe, Hey babe, what you watching? But it's like, <laughs> we are just like by the skin of our teeth crawling through sometimes like telling our kids get in bed and you know, school starts in 10, 10 hours and school's happening in our house. And Oh my gosh, it's a, it's a slog. It is really interesting. Yeah. We're, we're trying to have, you know, to practice, you know, family time and family values and let's play a game right now. Let's affirm one another. Let's go on a hike. Oh, we can't because there's, uh, you know, fires and smoke and, and melting paint and toxins in the air. It's just a weird time. It's like so, so weird. And at the same time, I feel yeah. completely busy. I feel I have so much work and I don't want to complain about that because I'm happy. I have work to do. Thankfully, I have a job, you know, that I could continue to put energy and effort into. So, but still, it's weird. It's really, really weird. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I obviously don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I think just the stories I've been hearing from my friends who are parents, like people like yourself, you know, it's it's every day is unpredictable. And already having a family and having kids is unpredictable in its own right. But with COVID and everything, I mean, I, I can't imagine just the difficulty of, of trying to weather that. But also with everything that's happening, I think right now in our country, it's, you know, it must be difficult even trying to communicate that. And hopefully if in some way or another, trying to bring about healing through art to tell that, I mean, I haven't found a way personally. Um, obviously it's been very difficult, but it's definitely yeah. been something I've been thinking about. And I'm curious to hear from you, like Tony, how you've been like, I don't know, I guess visualizing the, the role of art through, through all this time. I mean, obviously being an artist yourself and so forth. One of the things that has been a cool surprise for us as a Brave Maker is sort of the the pivot and adjustment to not doing any you know presentations, film screenings, live events. That has been a big part of our mission, right? Since we started, so you know we thought it was going to be super short, right? That this is going to be done by June or July. We were going to do our fest, you know, change it up, but that didn't happen. But what's been really you know encouraging is the the heart behind how we always have believed stories can create change you know and the the artistic life and those who are making the brave makers of our culture can help us think differently and see others in more compassionate ways so the the cool thing right now is these webinars which it's so funny for me to say like corporate webinars have become a large part of my life but i i'm not really enjoying it because you know everybody's working from home. Uh, everyone's isolated. You know, the, the cube life has now become, you know, your dining room or wherever you can get a garage <laughs> space or whatever. And so companies are trying to go, what can we do? How can we get people connected? How can we get people engaged in the, the justice stories that are happening in our world right now? And, you know, when everything happened with George Floyd in May, 2020, I honestly regrettably had never been a part of a protest before in my life. You know, I'm in my forties. And when I went to a protest in Redwood city, California, in our square, and I got to hear stories and chant with everybody and hold signs, it just changed me a lot. And it also took what I believed brave maker was supposed to be about to a new level. And it took my, my, my art consumption to another level. So in regards to these webinars, we're able to tell stories. And here I am like a cisgendered white guy, straight male, you know, dude, whatever. Like I have this 
this perspective that we're kind of over in culture. Like you don't need to hear anymore from white guys trying to, you know, do, do stuff. You need to, I need to back up. But what I think I can offer is where I failed and how art is teaching me. So these webinars have really become a lot of like me sharing uh, stories from like family matters, like this episode of family matters, you know, taught me about racial justice and I could, I shared it with my kids. Um, the, you know, the, the new Watchmen HBO limited series, I can share, you know, how those characters and that storyline from a comic book impacted how I see the importance of black lives matter. So that's a long response to say, like, I am just like at a really cool space. I still want to be creating my own content and telling stories. And I am, but with brave maker right now, it's like, how can I elevate other artists and especially people of color and women in the LGBTQ community by sharing their work and saying, this is what I've learned and this is where I can do better. And hopefully other white people could listen to me and be able to say, yeah, we need to change the narrative and not put it on people of color to make us anti-racist, but I need to do that work and art and film and TV and music and books have really been helpful and instrumental for me. Yeah, I, that's so wonderful to hear. And I, I think that's so beautifully put. And that's one of the reasons why I think I've always um, been obviously inspired by you. But I think Brave Maker right now, to your point, I mean, really is such a, I think, powerful catalyst for change, you know, creating that safe space for people using storytelling as I think a vehicle for that, I think is wonderful. And, you know, just a shameless self plug, you know, I am a correspondent on the Brave Maker podcast, uh, for those of you who don't know. And I think one of the reasons why I love doing it is I think to your point, you know, elevating people's stories in a way um, that are often either underrepresented or just not, I think, seen visibly. So, um, and yeah, it's one of the things I think what you're saying about how you know, using like, for example, Watchmen or whatever art to, to, I think, clarify these kinds of things. I think there's like a quote, I think Cesar Cruz um, once said this, but I think the purpose of art is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comforted. And I've always, I think, love that because I think right now there's a lot of people who are really struggling and I think art has and can comfort us. But I think on the other side, to your point, you know, there's a, a lot of discussions about like, you know, systemic racism and racial justice. And these are not easy, I think, conversations to have. Um, certainly not for me by any means. And I think art in some ways, um, it, it makes it easier to be able to not just see it in a new way, but really, I think, understand it in a way that I think is helpful. Aside from obviously the literature and education, I think anyone can do and, and should do, um, art reframes it in a way that is through storytelling. And I think, you know, it's good that I think we're seeing that. I mean, I think, you know, when they see us, um, when I saw on Netflix, I mean, just so powerful and obviously it's a drama, but, you know, definitely reframed a lot of things for me. So yeah, definitely agree with you on, on all accounts. That's one of my favorite quotes. I love that you brought that up because I think that is, that's why I go to certain art. You know, I was just uh, sharing about Banksy's art yesterday. You know, I love, I love the provocative nature of graffiti art and, you know, how sometimes we can just write it off as being like, oh, it's just like litter and it's, you know, it's destructive, but there's a, a disruption that is happening in culture through art if we have the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it. And so many, so much art has to do with justice. It has to do with poking at our life and our comfortable. I'm not, my wife or my daughter and I are watching so silly but supergirl and it's on this is a cw show but oh my gosh it's so cool to talk to my 13 year old about 
the show that's about like a, a superhero alien and how they have aliens who are being, you know, tagged and um, uh, they're, they're being registered. And sometimes they have to be deported to other planets. I'm like talking to my child about immigration issues and justice and the reality of how you know politics under influence how we understand different relationships with other places outside of America. So I I feel like my journey in the past you know five ten years has been so eye opening and I'm still shaking off the like the the negative connotations of what it means to be an artist or a creative or even performer because there was a time in my life when people would say it was narcissistic right or you know you're going in it because you want to be famous. Or the messages was, you know, like going to Hollywood will disintegrate your soul. And I believed those things. I really felt like, wow, I needed to kind of push off this desire I had to create because I felt like it was inherently going to ruin me, you know. But now I'm like, oh, my gosh, what? No. So, I mean, granted, I'm sure there are people in it for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of us want to make change. Like you, as a as a as a writer and a comedian, as a humorist, you are using the art of satire to poke into culture and to make people think and look inward, and you know confront biases and just confront sort of the the silliness that we you know we even esteem to. So I, I love that. I'd love for you to even comment about some of the stuff that you're writing in McSweeney's and in other stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely, yeah, believe that wholeheartedly. I think comedy and humor to me has always been an interesting relationship because I think people have made this comedy before, but I often find that comedy can serve as a really useful Trojan horse of ideas, right? Where like, you know, somebody, a comedian or whomever can tell a joke and then it obviously provides relief and humor and joy to people. But I think wrapped in that joke is a kernel of an idea that I think can be that can be really special, right? That can be often hard to, to communicate in a non-humorous context. And I've always found comedy as a very useful medium for that. I mean, also too, just on a very personal level, you know, I, I get a lot of fulfillment, right? To making people laugh. So there's that, but yeah, it's, I think definitely tricky. And I think one thing I've been thinking about right now is like in this time of increased political division, civil unrest, uh, and just a lot of collective pain, especially in the States right now, I think it becomes especially challenging for comedians and, and people to try to communicate something. I mean, and that's the thing where I'm struggling right now, which is I feel like part of my role here, if there is a role to play, is to to see if there's a way to deploy humor in a way that provides relief in these you know really terrible times, but does so in a way that communicates an idea. And I think personally, I just haven't found a good way right now. Um, I think it's been very challenging. There's a lot of serious stuff right now that I think for me, it's been hard to try and i've seen a few of my friends do it well but yeah i think i think we need humor more than ever i think the tricky part is how to communicate that in a way um that's relevant to the time that does so with respect and not necessarily i think in terms of like punching down on people who are disempowered um yeah but there's also something about that's like comedy is medicinal too right it like the idea that we all need a good laugh and sometimes I think I've maybe cried once or twice in the past six months just because of sheer exha- exhaustion, but I felt like I wanted to cry more because like, I'm just kind of, I am tired, but I'm also super sad and I feel a, mm. a weight. I feel a weight around 
conversations, you know, that families are having around things that I'm seeing, you know, post on social media. I've had to definitely mute a lot of voices in my life because I can only handle so much. So when I get the opportunity to laugh at something ridiculous, I, I'm okay with almost like elevating that to a place of spirituality for me. Like it actually has a powerful, you know, influence on me and as a being. And maybe that creator was just like, you know, didn't have any kind of ulterior motive to change the world and bring about justice. But truly there's stuff that has uh, like a lifting in my spirit, you know, that you really can't, it's almost, yeah. like almost transcendent. So I love, we need comedians. And I tend to, yeah. I tend to see not all, but a lot of comedians have been through it. A lot of comedy mm. writers have a very tight relationship with drama and exclusive and being excluded and feeling hurt and left out and tend to write comedy from that place not all but some and i think that's what makes it so powerful so mm -hmm. and, and i can't we can't move on without acknowledging some of your uh your humor work and i'm finding <laughs> i'm finding one right now that was in the new yorker about the the uh, game shows inspired by <laughs> dating online dating you want to talk about this a little, a little bit <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This was um, so I, I collaborated with uh, a good friend of mine, um, Catherine Cavas, and we wrote this. And then uh, it was illustrated by the brilliant Sarah Kempa, who's just a, an amazing illustrator. But yeah, this is this idea came about how I think with a lot of millennials, certainly, and probably uh, some Gen Z, but just millennials, I think there's a, a real struggle, right, with online dating. There's the whole you know, just the availability and people ghosting each other. I mean, the whole shebang, right? That's involved with that just the galaxy of anxieties in that department. Um, so Catherine and I, we just decided to try to do an idea that, you know, I think illustrated the anxieties and, and I think just the struggles that a lot of millennials have in this department, but I think done through a different lens, which is, you know, game shows, right? Like Jeopardy or The Price is Right. So we just kind of repurposed and did a play on those titles. Like for example, here Ghosted, um, you know, it's a playoff Jeopardy, but you know, <laughs> there's me in it as Irving. <laughs> as the main so, character so that was really funny it was like i think trying to tap into that millennial zeitgeist of like why everyone really dislikes online dating but yet it's all a game that we all have to play a part of at least the yeah. people who are who are single i love it if you're listening via podcast uh you can go to irving's website irving r u a n.com we'll put the link in our show notes if you're watching live uh you can you can see and we'll make sure we post these as well on our uh, Facebook and other pages. But I just think it's so it's so great because, first of all, I want to note that you collaborated with another writer and an illustrator, which I think is super cool. Uh, you know, we often talk about on our Brave Maker podcast and shows about the power of connecting with somebody else and writing together or creating together. And creative process is hard. Uh, like you know birthing a child as your little baby uh, but when you have you know a, a collective people who are birthing it together it's great i love that so kudos to you for making something really fun and for all these fun images that she she did family baggage feud i love that <laughs> uh, america's funniest most awkward most uncomfortable pickup lines really fun i just love i love this kind of stuff and i love the style of it 
Yeah, Sarah is a, is a great illustrator and, and Catherine's a, a great joke writer. And I recommend anybody who's who's listening or watching and check out some of their work on The New Yorker and Mixed Meanies. They're both really funny people. But yeah, I think, you know, you can certainly relate with this, but I think a lot of writers can feel, you know, writing's a very lonely and often existentially, I think, terrorizing experience because you're just, it's just you. And I think, you know, any chance I have to collaborate with other writers or, or, or you know, actors or illustrators, you know, it's a, such a rewarding experience because you're building a relationship. You get to see like how they think and you get to build that trust, which I just love. You know, I think it's a great rewarding um, journey for sure. Robertino is commenting here. He says, Irving exercises both sides of his brain. <laughs> Brave to follow your heart. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Love it. Uh, if you're watching live, please feel free to say anything else or add any comments. Cause I'd love to talk to talk more about the, the following these creative dreams and pursuits. I know you were saying earlier, it's been difficult because it feels a little dry and if we're not living life, how do we create? Right. I totally, totally understand mm -hmm. that. Uh, but I also know, I don't know if it's public, if you can talk about it, but there's some big changes coming in your creative future. What's going on? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think just mostly geographically, you know, I'm uh, relocating to to LA in, in a short while. So, you know, definitely people are, are moving right now, um, just given the whole pandemic situation. And for me, I've always wanted to be a bit closer to my family. Um, so they're in SoCal. So just being in LA will make it easier to be able to see them. You know, I don't have to be too concerned about flights and air travel. So you can That'll be really nice and looking forward to that. But I think also too, just from a very personal, I think creative level, uh, you know, being in the Bay Area has been really great. I've met a lot of amazing friends, you know, people such as yourself, but I think, you know, a lot of the writer friends, the comedy friends that I tend to have are, are in LA. And I figured, you know, this would be a great time to reconnect with them and to, to build those relationships further. Um, and who knows really what's in store for me in, in LA, given that now everything's remote. So who knows if in-person will ever happen, but, you know, my hopes are high and I do think that, um, you know, things do heal eventually, um, including a nation, fingers crossed. Yep. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to, I think being in a town where there's a lot of people who I think think and, and just, um, I think approach life through a very, I think, artistic lens that uh, certainly there's a lot of it up here in, in the Bay, but I think in the realm of comedy, uh, definitely more of a Mecca in LA for sure, uh, especially LA and New York. I love LA. LA is my home away from home. And I'm going to make sure all my LA friends get connected to you. I'm super stoked for you, man. Super excited that you get to follow your, your dream and your heart and check it out. And who, yeah, who knows? This is a time where, I mean, the opportunities are hopefully bigger and better than they were before. And more people mm -hmm. are having access and they, they want diverse storytellers. So yeah. yeah, dude, I'm like really excited to see where you go and, the so the, the the drive for you eventually you'd love to be writing on a tv show right yeah i mean i think that'd be really fun um who knows if that will ever happen but i do think yeah i think writing for comedy i think on a on a, on a tv show would be would, would be really great i mean who's to say you know what production could even look like right in the age of covid but i think that's the thing where you know, I'm excited at the prospect of that. I've never been in the writer's rooms, obviously, but I think, you know, based on the very little thing I know about it, it's an incredibly collaborative experience, which as we just talked about, I, I love. And so looking forward to that and, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think right now I'm just trying to, you know, once I get sort of out of this creative slump, I'm trying to keep 
uh, a few, I think, burners hot, like yeah. definitely have hopes to like have a short story collection, right? I mean, I think getting to serious fiction at a point in my life, whether it's the next few years or down the road, definitely have dreams and ambitions in that area. So yeah, we'll see. I think definitely I'll use writing probably as my main way to hopefully tell stories that I find you know um, relatable to myself and that I want to tell. So if you're just joining in, this is Irving, and he is moving to LA in a few weeks, right, Irving? Yeah. Okay, so uh, follow along on Irving's journey. I'm going to tag a bunch of my friends in this uh, live video later so they can find you and connect with you. Did you find somewhere to live yet? Yeah, actually, I just signed a lease the other day uh, nice. in Northeast. So yeah, uh, a bit close to Eagle Rock in that area, cool. so North, Northeast LA. Um, I figured, you know, got to be with the hipster people. Yeah. Um, I haven't turned 30 yet, so I still have some time to, to <laughs> weave that in. Um, but yeah, excited. Uh, have you have you been in that area of town before? So when I go, I stay in Silver Lake, so kind of close to where that is. So I'll, you know, when when life uh, gets a little bit less uh, dangerous to travel, I will definitely be seeing you on the east side over there. But that's that's really exciting, man. It's really exciting. yeah. It'd be great to go to Intelligentsia Coffee with Heck you. Heck yeah, you dude. Know, yeah, right on Sunset. But I also like Alfred's. So Alfred's is my favorite mm. coffee place in silver lake on sunset that's where like my go-to is a little hole in the wall so shout out to alfred's coffee it's my favorite but yeah dude i'm excited i'm excited for you so let's Thanks, talk man. let's talk and uh wrap up some in, input advice tips to all the aspirings out there or to people who want to get into writing or to people who feel a little bit uh stuck what would you say i mean it's okay to say like nothing because you got to give yourself time to just yeah. be and deal but totally. yeah any tips or ideas that come to mind about how people could be navigating through mm. this time or just in general to get jobs and pursue their creative goals yeah that's a great question i mean definitely uh could use some of that advice myself uh <laughs> personally but i think you know, it's always a struggle for me to give, give advice because, I, you know, my theory on it is that it's um, obviously very specific. I, there's not, it's really hard to gather the context of everyone's lives and their circumstance. And there's so much to factor in, you know, just their family, socioeconomic and all that. So definitely I want to honor just how specific and, and how difficult it is. But I think barring all of that, I think the thing that I saw recently that really spoke to me. And I think it was a reminder I needed to hear myself was, I, I forgot who said it, but somebody had tweeted, oh, I get all my advice and inspiration on Twitter, which is probably <laughs> the worst place to get. But barring that, um, I read something that really spoke to me, which was um, so much of writing, or I think creativity really to engage in any creative art is not necessarily the act of doing it, but doing all the other things that feed into it, like living, um, like reading, like gardening, like taking a walk, like thinking, like swimming, like running, like being with friends and family. Um, and then that's like the 90% of it. And then like the creative aspect is like the 10% of it, which I, I think really challenged my, my prior view on the whole uh, creativity thing. And I, I think that really spoke to me because I think so much of the cult of productivity and capitalism is often so laser focused on production. But, you know, I think as artists, right, we forget a lot of times that so much that feeds into that production is the input of things. And I think right now, you know, it's a definitely a hard time for a lot of people to create, certainly for myself. But, you know, I think right now, maybe this is just like a period of rest and gestation and just 
being okay with just being, right? I mean, it sounds cliche, but I think the most cliche things contain some terrible truth, which is, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings, right? And I think oftentimes so much of art is just like being human, which requires living just, you know, and not necessarily production. So I think being okay with rest um, is something that I've been trying to come around to and Mm -hmm. um, that one needs to, I don't know, I think just um, live in a way that is not probably just focused on production always, but uh, I think just being okay with that there are many struggles in life. And I think recognizing that those feed into your story um, and that sometimes it takes time yeah. for the story to emerge from experiences. So yeah. I think just patience for sure. I dig that. I mean, the whole idea of story and story development, I mean, Brave Maker is all about that. And sometimes we rush the story you know, we want to get to the other side. There's always this fine line for me too, sometimes where I, there's a fine line between resting and taking care of yourself. And then the fine line of just going, you know, the making the excuses of like, I, I got to be patient because th- good things will come. There's always that for me, like, well, good things will come when I put the work and effort into it. I need to exactly. put the work and effort into it. And at the same time, I don't need you know, for me, this is just me speaking, I am an over producer and I tend to find, you know, accomplishments as a value. And so I have to like literally put the production aside and find value because it's just as valuable to take care of yourself and be rest, you know, mm-hmm. and rest, you know, and say totally. no, you know, like, so I, I, I love that. That's really good. Uh, information. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Have we ever talked about the Enneagram? Before? I don't think we talked about it, but I am familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so if, if you're listening to this or watching this, you're like, what the H is this? It is a kind of a personality assessment. It's very different, like different than, but similar to the Myers-Briggs or the Strengths Finders. And uh, there's nine different ways in which you are assessed that your personality expresses itself. And the number three happens to be a producer. Like you like to make things and create and, and produce. And that's how you can find your identity. And I love it because it deals a lot with, you know, sometimes your fears too. Like you are sometimes motivated by what you don't want. And I don't want to mm-hmm. feel inadequate. I don't want to be, I don't want to be ineffective. And so that's the shadow side of your personalities. How do you be okay with that? Um, so yeah. I, I highly recommend any creative person look into the Enneagram figure out yourself. Self-awareness is so, so huge to, I think, to be an effective creator and maker, brave maker. You got to know yourself, know that self. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that I, I definitely uh, can articulate it more perfectly, but yeah, I think self-awareness for sure. I'm actually a, a four. So that comes with its own bucket of shadowy yeah. uh, side yeah. of it. But yeah, it's definitely interesting to to be aware of things like that. What is your, so I'm a, I'm a three, four. So I love the four. My wife always says, I think you're more of a four than a three, but uh, what's your, what's <laughs> I think your, you're what, a four. Yeah. Are you a four, three or a four, five? I'm, I'm, I'm a four. Um, I forgot the other one. I know there's like okay. a duality. I know I'm four primary. I, I can't remember the second one. I wonder if you're a five because five loves to research and, and know stuff <laughs> and the, all the writing that you're doing. I wonder, which, which leads me to want to talk about. Okay. So I want to talk about two more things and then I'll let you go. Uh, because you're a writer and because we are talking to creatives, you wrote an article <laughs> called Writers with Benefits. So <laughs> I want to pull up some of those points because I'm in a writer's group right now. We meet every week and we share our work. We each get 30 minutes to read through pages and give feedback. 
So I'm wondering if I can glean some tips from this most recent article <laughs> that uh, that talks about um, you call it writer writing writers with benefits. Let's talk about this. Let me let me pull this up. And for yeah. those who are listening, I will make sure that I don't just uh, depend on what we can see. So writers with benefits. The first thing you say is section one's all about communications. Let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, before embarking upon the new relationship, both writers must agree on a common method of textual intercourse. Uh, while email is the most popular for exchanging notes, some still prefer ancient traditions like meeting up in real life. <laughs> textual intercourse got me a little excited. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, that's a, so we got textual intercourse communication. Great. How about frequency, section two? Ooh, yes. Uh, if one writer desires to escalate the frequency of their textual intercourse because this relationship is their only means of human interaction, or if their roommate refuses to read their poetry, the other writer has to comply unless said writer is on a deadline or is in the middle of a nap. <laughs> and section three, foreplay. Ooh, getting saucy. Um, all types of textual foreplay is permitted, such as feeling really guilty when asking for feedback on their TV pilot. Uh, other scenarios involve asking the less accomplished writer if they're still thinking about pursuing an MFA. This will likely trigger feelings of sadness if said writer is over the age of 37. So we're seeing some themes in Irving's work here. Online dating, game shows. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. You, you all have to go and check out his, his work. And uh, so I, I honestly, though, I want to know where did this come from? Where did this idea birth in your life? Yeah. Oh, gosh, I can't remember. I, I think I, I wrote this some a while ago. So it, it's, it's been been, I think, a, a few years. But um, it was like, I think, a play, first of all, on the whole, you know, friends with benefits. Right. I think a lot of millennials have probably have had that sort of arrangement. You know, that's not a foreign term to a lot of people in that uh, bracket. But, you know, I think for me, it was like one of those things where like, I get very self-conscious whenever I ask anybody of anything, you know, it's like, I think in one of John Mulaney's specials, his wife had commented him on being like the mayor of nowhere. And I feel like a lot of times in my life, I just feel like I want everyone to like me. And I'm so self-conscious whenever I ask anyone of anything. So the whole writers with benefits thing is, you know, in the same way, like, can you have a mutual, you know, a, a mutually beneficial relationship with another writer, like exchanging notes and everything? I always feel guilty when I ask people for notes because mm. I know it's like a big ask and like there's yeah. a lot of things involved and like, are they actually even getting, you know, pleasure from it? And then that's when like things click. It's like, oh, what if it becomes like sexual, but not, right? <laughs> so that's kind of how I was thinking through. It was like, you know, sort of the, I think a lot of writers have that really great relationship and I have that with yeah. a few of my friends, but yeah, I mean, it's always a difficult struggle for me to even broach that topic. I love it. So going back to what we were talking about earlier about the creative process, I love that you, you find some inspiration on, Hey, I'm a writer. I feel this angst about sharing my work. And then I also have this dating thing going on and I'm navigating my, my millennial life and the dating and online world. It's just really cool that you merge those things. So I think, as if you're listening to this or watching this and you feel stuck in any way, I'm gleaning a couple things today that I would encourage you. Even earlier, Irving said, just going, getting out, going on a walk, doing something maybe different that helps jog your, your brain into the creative space. Uh, asking yourself, like, what do I like? What, what's my life about? And then what is something that I might merge my life with that maybe I don't like, you know, or that's challenging and try to find a way to fuse those things together. I think it's just brilliant, especially if you are a writer 
uh, of any kind, but those who are trying to write film and TV, we often pitch our ideas by saying it's like this meets that, right? It's like yeah. Gilligan's Island meets Lost or Gilligan's Island. I don't want to say Gilligan's, they're both the same. They're on an island. Or it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Supergirl meets Jurassic Park or whatever. And that kind of stuff I think is really fun. Like Irving, you, it's funny. I think about you all the time when I'm writing my, my TV show called Church Biz because there, mm. was one, there was one line I distinctly remember that you pitched to me that I could change with one of the sons who was a pastor kid and how he referred to his dad, who was a pastor and his relationship with God. And so every time I read it, I'm always like, Irving gave me that idea. And I always pitch this as like, it's my life sort of in this church world kind of merged with the office, you know? Mm. And so I just think it's so, it's so fun to be able to pitch, talk, get notes and ideas from other people. And I pray and hope that all of us who are in the creative space have people we can go to, even when it's awkward, even if we feel yeah. like we're putting, we're putting people out because it is, it's a lot to ask someone to read a script, you know, but I love when people say, Hey, I have this, you know, this thing, it's five pages or it's 10 pages. Could you give me 15 minutes of your time? Cause sometimes that mm -hmm. helps me know if I could say, yes, I might not have the ability to read 120 page feature film script, but I might be able to read a 30-page TV pilot if you navigate it with me on that way. So read, totally. read, read writers with benefits. Read about <laughs> how to deal with uh, feedback, <laughs> being constructive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the last note I just want to piggyback really quickly, like even knowing that like maybe my friends aren't free or may not have, I think that in-depth experience to like read a script or like know like what's the best way to produce notes, right? I think there's a very it's hard to give constructive feedback um, sure. and certainly in that space. One thing that I've found really helpful is like, instead of like, I think asking for my friends to even read a script, often just like ask one of my comedy friends, like, hey, do you have five, 10 minutes to chat on the phone? Hmm. Just to like get them to hear like my idea about something that's been nagging me, right? Whether it's like yeah. a story arc that I don't know how to resolve. And even if they like, they don't know because like it's my story, it's my script and I don't expect them to know. I find that really the act of talking it out is incredibly clarifying. It's like, it's like therapy, right? It's like oftentimes in my own experience, like a therapist may not know like what's the ideal way to, to resolve my emotional um, concerns. But the act of, I think, talking it out is a really great forcing function to clarify any sort of blind spots or things I may not have thought about. And just like the art of discourse, I find incredibly helpful, at least for screenwriting just or any story writing to just talk it out with a friend um, who's willing to listen. So I think that can go a really long way. And I think it's been very helpful in my personal experience. Dude, I love that. I'm going to put that in the comments here. The art, the act of talking it out is a great forcing function to clarify. Yeah. I dig that. Okay, let's put that out there. So posting it out there for y'all to see the act of talking it out is a great forcing function to clarify something in your story, something with ideas. Mm -hmm. We have yeah. some we have some random person who's um, posting about drinking hot dog water. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is about. Okay, we're going to pass that. Um, the act of talking it out, but this clarify this for you all. If you have something and you're afraid to put your, um, your friend out in some way, I would love you to ask a friend for some FaceTime 
ask some friend for some FaceTime and say, Hey, can you, you know, get on a, a zoom call with me and look at my pages and ask me some questions about what you see. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love yeah. that. And I think this person here who's jumping on, I think this person is just being a, a troll. So I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to pull oh, their, their comments. Trolls, trolls. You're, you're just a troll. Okay. So last question to Irving, what, what ideas are spinning around next? Are you kind of going, all right, I know one of my next articles or, you know, humorous pieces is going to be about this. Yeah. Um, nothing cemented. I think the biggest swirling thing that I could probably conjure right now that's probably related to like writing or creativity is really um, thinking about, I think the role of sci-fi and, and I, I've obviously, I've been a, a huge you know, um, fan of sci-fi growing up. I, I read a lot of sci-fi like Dune and, you know, the Foundation series, Isaac Asimov. And obviously I love sci-fi TV shows and movies. I mean, a uh, huge fan. I've been thinking about like, in terms of like, you know, getting into that space somewhere or another. So I've been thinking about like the role, like similar to like Black Mirror, right? Thinking about sci-fi stories um, that I want to write similar to like what Ted Chang like wrote, you know, with Story of Your Life, which became the movie Arrival, um, his new Exhalation short story series, or even like the works of like Ken Liu. Um, just thinking about the role of sci-fi as similar to what we talked about earlier, like as a vehicle to explore human stories, right? Like sci-fi, in my mind, like obviously there's a lot of cool sci-fi and tech and all that. Um, but fundamentally, I think like many art forms, similar to even comedy, it fundamentally illuminates a, a human story. So I've been thinking about how to use sci-fi in the same way that I think I've tried to use comedy to tell something fundamentally human, um, so that's something I've been really thinking about. And so I've been watching a lot of sci-fi and all that. So um, things that I'm kind of focusing on that is is really stories in that realm. I love it. I love it. Um, the person who's, who we, I called a troll said, I'm not a troll. Is this an advice counseling periscope? Because we're also going live on Twitter right now. And so, oh, okay, no, this isn't a live counseling periscope, but this is just two creative people talking together. And then they said, you guys should make a podcast. Well, guess what? We are. <laughs> so sorry I called you a troll. I just wasn't sure what you were asking about before. So anyways, if you have any questions about creativity, you can put them in the chat. Otherwise, thank you so much, uh, Irving, for coming on here. This is great. I really you know, I value you, appreciate you. Um, I'm going to miss seeing you at Ciclismo yeah. Cafe when I get to yeah. go to Ciclismo Cafe and sit and have a coffee because I really haven't sat there since March. I've gone there, but I haven't sat there. Uh, so, but I will definitely be seeing you in LA and I'm sure the beautiful thing is, you know, we get to connect on zooms and live chats like this, and you'll continue to do a brave maker podcast when you find some yes. people worthy of your conversation. <laughs> yes. I encourage everyone who's watching, listen, definitely check out the podcast. I mean, I think Tony and the team, they do a great job and, um, I hope, yeah, to continue being part of it. And Tony, I'm very much looking forward to hanging out with you in LA. So yes, I'm sure friend. things will be, will come down the road. Yes, my friend. So to the noob, the newbie person who was just on there, you can get free movies at our website and other cool resources, bravemaker.com slash buzz. That'll put you on our email list. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you want to give to an arts organization, you could commit to giving. We also have corporate matching through Benevity. If you happen to work at a, a company that does corporate matching, we just got a cool little grant from uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, which we're very grateful for, do some of our racial justice docu-series work. And if you want to write a screenplay, we have screenplay classes. 
Uh, there are two going on right now. Our next one is going to happen at the end of September, beginning of October. So you can go to bravemaker.com slash classes for that. Uh, go ahead and check that out. And uh, thanks for everybody for hanging in. So don't go away, Irving. We are going to close out and I'll talk to you in a second. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.